Hello, my name is Rob Dando from Finally Agency, and I'm your host of the Engine Room podcast, where we dive under the hood of engineering and manufacturing businesses to see how we can drive success through digital marketing. So on this week's episode, I'm pleased to be joined by Jeff Beecham from Authentica Resourcing. We're going to be talking all about why is recruitment important to manufacturing businesses, what can you do to attract talent, and why particularly is there a talent shortage at the moment in the manufacturing world. So let's dive in. On today's episode, I'm delighted to welcome Jeff Beecham from Authentica Resourcing. We're going to be having a chat all about how to position your business as the best place to recruit talent, uh, keep talent, and everything that needs to be done around recruitment for your business. So welcome along, Jeff. Uh, good morning, Rob. Thanks very much for having me on uh, on your show. Good no, to be here. Thanks very much. You know, I appreciate you joining. So, yeah, I mean, you know, people are running their businesses, and I think one of the, the key things that, that is, is a major part of any successful business certainly is recruitment you know it's a huge part the people is what make the business yes you've got great products or great marketing but fundamentally you need people to deliver on that um you know something that you're obviously passionate about so uh, from from the kind of initial thoughts you know why do you believe recruitment is is essential within a in a good successful organization yeah that's a great question uh rob and uh you know I think it's about the, the sustainability of a business. You know, I mean, sustainability is a, bit, a big buzzword at the moment and it's important for, for businesses in, in the environment. But in terms of, uh, you know, having a business over the longer term, um, you've got to keep that sort of pipeline of, of talent coming into the organisation um, at all levels, you know. Um, you know, certainly in terms of the, the senior end, um, you've got, you know, predominantly with SME companies, a lot of them are still maybe family owned or they're privately owned. And you'll find a lot of the uh, the owners of the business have been there for, for decades and, uh, you know, sort of, I suppose, getting ready for exit at some point. And, and sometimes they haven't got the right people to take over the reins, um, you know, and, and for them to have that legacy moving forward in the future. So they end up selling out to an organization that might uh, not necessarily have the same sort of values. Um, but throughout the organization, you know, people do move around, don't they? You know, people will, uh, relocate to different areas, people's circumstances change. So there is always going to be in any business, uh, some attrition or there will be some churn in terms of employees, whether that's at shop floor level or, you know, managerial or, or sort of board level. So businesses, you know, should always have an eye on not just the here and now, you know, how successful is our business today? Are we meeting all of our obligations in terms of our customers? Um, but they should be, you know, looking at that future talent pipeline at all levels within the business. And, you know, uh, one of the one of the key areas where businesses can leave themselves quite open and they don't mitigate this risk, and that is succession planning. Yeah. Um, it's really c- critical at the top end, um, you know, if, if there isn't, people to take over, you know, senior level roles from within the organization, then it's no good leaving it till the last minute and trying to recruit somebody when somebody's just retired or they've just handed a notice in. Um, So organizations should have that sort of risk management strategy in, you know, regarding people um, because certain people will be at risk of flight, won't they, from a business that, you know, you don't always get to hear about the people that are unhappy. And, 
you know, whilst this happens a lot, it's always a a deadly shock for a hiring manager or a or a director of a business when somebody puts in their notice and you think, crikey, didn't see that happening. Yeah, or no. and you, you if you're probably paying a bit more attention. Yeah, you can take that quite personally. I know being a business owner myself, I've actually had to have a quite a big mind shift in my myself over the past five years. You know, I, I kind of used to get, took it quite badly when people left because I was like, well, why would they want to leave? Like, this is such a great place to work. Obviously, it wasn't at the time. Um, but, you know, it, it's actually an understanding that I think generational shift is, is taking place, certainly. You know, the younger generation, they're not loyalists. They're not going to be people... I, I, I don't know, you know, you, you're, you've been in it far longer than me, but, you know, the, there are pictures of 20-year service, 10-year service, 15-year service regularly. I just, I don't know that that's going to happen in the future so often. Um, I can't imagine people, you know, in, in our world, the actual average lifespan of, of an employee is two years, um, you know, and that's not, yeah. not long. And, you know, so we're above average, which is great. But I think uh, what I understood or what clicked for me is that we're just, we're, we are fundamentally a part of someone's journey in their career. And and what I now want to do is make sure that I can give them the best journey and support them and, and upskill them. And that kind of leads me on to my next question, really, which is all around personal brand. I know, you know, we've connected and, and met uh, on LinkedIn and, you know, LinkedIn's become that place for the last couple of years. I think a lot of business owners and organisations are worried about showcasing their star, showcasing their talent. And I think similarly, those people feel like, they can't be themselves, but but I think that mindset's wrong. I think you know personal brands are vital. Like I actively encourage all of our staff to to have their own brand, be themselves, and you know ultimately, if if someone's going to try and steal talent or offer them a better job, if you're if you're a business that's looking after employees, paying them well, treating them right, and giving them progression and and showing them there's there's room to grow in your organisation, they hopefully they won't want to leave anyway. If you're, you know, if you're not doing any of those things, they're going to leave whether they've got personal brand or haven't. Yeah, it's, it's a real, it, it is a complex situation, but it shouldn't be. Um, you know, you can, if you're doing the best that you can to to engage with your employees at whatever level and, and ensure that they're getting the right sort of opportunities, the right sort of training and development and, and ideally progression, and you're paying them at least the, the going market rate, you know, in terms of salary or, or hourly rate, whatever it might be. Um, and they feel valued, and they're given, and you're giving them a voice and an opportunity to uh, to ask questions and you know input, you know, their opinion or thoughts uh, about the business or processes. Um, you're pretty much doing all you can. You, you, you can't stop people leaving, no. and I don't think you should. Um, and you're quite right, you know, any business is part of the journey of that individual. You know, we, we work for, what, 40, 40 50 years. Um, you know, the, things have changed dramatically. I, I left school in 1986, and back then, um, there was still an element around when you spoke to people about what are you going to do for a job, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, my dad's been at such and such factory. He's been there for 30 years. I'm, I might go and work there. Yeah. And they were still just about, because uh, I've got a brother who's about eight and a half years older than me. And I remember him, uh, I, I just about remember him when he left school. Um, jobs were aplenty back in the, you know, back in the sort of late 70s. But it was very common for people to almost have a job for life. Yeah. Whereas these days, 
as, as you said earlier, you know, people um, are moving around a lot more. And even in the even in the period of time that I've been in recruitment, which is, well, over 22 years now, there is a big, there has been a big step between when you look at somebody's CV, you know, when I first got into the industry, if somebody had done two years here, two years there, three years here, two years there, you might have been thinking, crikey, this person moves around quite a bit. Yeah. Um, whereas these days, I think people are actually encouraged to get wider experience. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not a fan of job hoppers, but, uh, you know, you've got to draw the line somewhere. I think you, you, you can you can develop your own career by moving. And in fact, sometimes it can be at your detriment to stay in the same place for too long. Yeah, I think so. Because yeah. generally, if you were at a company for 20 years, the sort of salary that you would be on at that point, if you'd have left, say, 10 years before and moved twice, mm-hmm. generally you'll get a better pay increase than if you just got a, 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 a just you know the average pay increase at your current business. So if you move, you generally, over the longer period, you will end up on a higher salary than if you were a one-company career person. Um, so I think it's becoming more acceptable for people to have shorter tenure. But again, uh, you know, businesses don't typically favour job hoppers, if I can use that phrase. That might sound a bit harsh. But, um, you know, two, three, four years uh, in, in a business and then move it is, is becoming more the norm, not necessarily at senior level, which is where I operate these days. Yeah. Um, you know, managerial and director level roles. Um, but certainly, you know, shop floor level, engineer level, people are, people are looking for exciting jobs, you know, so if they're not feeling valued, they're going to, they're going to move. They're not being paid right. They're going to move. And if they're not getting opportunity, you're going to lose them. So, um, I think the word that I've picked up there, you've said, you've mentioned a few times is is valued and value. And and I think, Mm. you know, that's the crucial part, isn't it? That many businesses, for whatever reason, get that wrong. You know, they, they kind of probably take, take to granted that employees are happy or satisfied or paid well, or, you know, I don't, like you mentioned, there shouldn't really be a reason for someone to remain at a company and be, be paid less than they would have had they moved. You know, if surely yeah. as as a as a owner of a business or you know an HR function in a company, you should be understanding the cost of the business of of replacement of that talent loss, et cetera, et cetera. Now, yes, you know, yeah. naturally people should move. You should bring in new talent, but that succession planning that you you mentioned from the start, you know, these people, if you can plot out career paths and almost show them that there's a a path from shop floor to senior management to maybe director to you know, MD, and, and I've worked with some clients that have been on that journey, and, and it's a really valuable journey because if, if you've done those jobs and you really, really understand a business from its core, you'd probably be a very yeah. good MD or, you know, senior level manager because you've done that, you understand the pains that they're facing, you understand the customer points. Um, so it's a it's a good model to, to have. You know, bringing people into the business, like you say, can be tricky. Yes, you can bring in highly experienced people, but again, it probably you also need to make sure you get that timing right as well, don't you? You know, so that there is that kind of overlap of when those roles are going to happen. Like you, what you're saying, you don't want someone to hand in their notice and go, oh, in 30 days, we're off and I'm taking 25 years of knowledge with me. Yeah, absolutely. A, a knowledge transfer is, is a big risk for, for, for organisations. You know, it's bad enough when people retire and they retire with, you know, a lot of that knowledge still in their head. Um, I was having a conversation the other day with, with, with a couple of businesses around, you know how how can how can manufacturing businesses 
uh, help not just plug the skills gap, but but transfer more knowledge from the, the more senior people in the organization to, to the youngsters. The apprenticeships are great, and we want to see more of those. Um, but I, I, I sort of posed the question a while ago, I think on LinkedIn, where I said, you know, is there something that larger companies can do to help the, the SMEs who typically supply the OEMs with, with a lot of their parts and components? Um, is there something that the, that, the, that the large businesses can do to release somebody from their business to, you know, help train other people coming into the sector, you know, because a lot of the apprenticeship academies and learning, uh, you know, further education places, um, you know, struggle to, to hire uh, trainers and assessors and, and people like that. Um, so I, th- I think there's just a sometimes a bit of a blinkered mentality in men- manufacturing that, you know, it's heads down, let's get on with the business, keep our customers happy and make money. We know we've got a talent shortage, but it is what it is. Well, you know, people can do something about it. Yeah. Um, and I think if businesses work together a little bit more and, and shared their knowledge, and I think if there was a little bit more openness to to get people, maybe at the, at the sort of latter end of their career, because um, there are businesses around, you know, even these days, and we shouldn't have ageism, but it's still out there in the market. Um, you know, there are candidates on the market today, now, you know, age sort of 50, 55, 59, 60, spent most of their life in a factory, worked at a certain level, and they've lost their job for whatever reason. And a lot of businesses would turn their nose up over that person in favour of somebody who's 30, 35, 40, whatever the case may be. Um, First of all, that's wrong because, you know, we, we, we shouldn't have age discrimination. But also, these people have got decades and decades of knowledge, and they would be delighted to be able to work with a youngster for, you know, it's not saying, I'm not saying, you know, you'd have to take them on for the next 10 or 20 years. No, if yeah. you've got somebody who's near retirement. Three to five years, yeah. Why, why, can't, why can't more businesses target people like that or, or have, a, have a commitment to hiring more people at that pre-retirement age demographic specifically to work with the youngsters and download as much information about the processes in the business and the sector to, because that would be a, a real added bonus for the apprentices because they go into college, they're learning their day-to-day stuff on the shop floor, but there's also stuff that they won't be told because there's a lot of stuff that doesn't necessarily happen in the day-to-day and they certainly won't be told it at college. Yeah. So it can be that, that, that bridge of knowledge, of additional knowledge that, that, that may you know, it sort of glue it all together a bit more. Um, and that would get more, you know, more of the aging uh, workers who are struggling to, to get new roles if they're made redundant or, or they, you know, they lose the job uh, back into the market, but also adding value to, to youngsters. Yeah, they're, they're so, um, about, aren't they? Some of these people, have, you know, they did that for a career, you know, and yeah, my grandfather's yeah. 97 now and, uh, you know, he's still a wealth manager. He was, an, you know, started on the trains and you know, did did what he did and engineering, and and then he, you know, worked his way up to senior manager and you know director and but he he done it all and even now I love hearing his stories and him sharing sharing about what happened and you know to get those insights to the younger generation is invaluable because I, I actually watched a documentary on um, someone hand making scissors 
Um, and like oh, yeah. machines and tools that they're still using were some of the machines that they were using like 30 years ago, like a, a certain process. And there was an old boy sitting there who'd probably been doing it for 15, 20 years, like just second nature, not even looking what he's doing, grabbing his blades, like razor sharp, sharpening, chucking them over. <laughs> and I just think, you know, like they're, they're people that need to um, be exposed. They We need to get them out there, you know. Um, I guess, yeah. you know, from, from my perspective in marketing, your perspective in recruitment, you know, we can be a part of this. Um, I guess where do we start is the question. You know, it's about we, we want to attract people. But but I think everyone focuses in on we need to attract young people into manufacturing. Yes, we do. But actually, I think the point that, that's coming across here is what we also need to do is kind of publicise the experience that is already there and almost like make sort of stars out some of these people that have been in there 30 years, you know, like showcasing their talent uh, you know, and getting people to to be, I don't know. I've just got a really weird vision of like Mr. Miyagi in my head. You know, when he's uh, in the Karate Kid. You know, like you yeah. know, master and apprentice, and like, can we get some pairings and like even get them on social media, get them those relationships because they're they're love they're lovely. You know, as I said, ninety seven year old grandfather. I've seen my six year old daughter, his great granddaughter, sitting on lap telling stories, and I think you know relationships yeah. can be fostered. The, the age is just a number. Well, everybody loves a good story, don't they? And yeah. I, I think that's a great idea that you've come up with, you know, getting the, 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 the two or two different sort of generations together. Um, maybe that's something, you know, you can pick up with yeah. uh, finally. You know, I'm sure there'll be manufacturing companies that would have people, you know, from those from those demographics that they could showcase. And it, here's an example for you. Um, Bradley Walsh, is it, on, on, the, on the TV? Yeah. Um, he's had a... Uh, a series, I think it's into the second series now, where he, he's gone on this road trip with his son. Um, and obviously, you know, so you've got the two generations there and they're just there in this camper van traveling around Europe and America, um, doing all these um, sort of events and activities, you know, whether it's, I don't know, windsurfing or jumping out of things, climbing hills or whatever. So Bradley Walsh is getting pushed out of his comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. But then he's also learning stuff from his dad as well, and it, it was really, it was really good listening to, to both sort of perspectives. Yeah. So that probably would be a good, a, a good marketing tool, you know, to get more people into manufacturing. Looking at the, the here and now, the, the early stage of the career journey, but then mapping out where that journey can go to across different departments, and then hear from. You know the old, you know the older sage from within the business who's been there, done it, and has got so many fantastic stories. Yeah, uh, and to tell. I think that'd be really cool. You could have a little challenge. I can, <laughs> I can got this vision of you know like, oh my, like my my granddad will still beat me with his mental arithmetic over on me on a calculator. Uh, you know that's just because that was how they're taught, right? And we we're, we're yeah. taught differently. And I like so again, you can have something where like the new new versus old. Like can who can make this part or finish this part and like they're going to do it old school and they're going to use the new technology and almost film both sides and hear the hear their thought processes because you know you should get to the same result but it'll be interesting on that journey it would be quite that's be quite fun to watch i reckon i think you're onto something there definitely <laughs> no it's good um so that kind of come back around to, to yourself then you know you've you've been doing this a long time as you've mentioned you know um you can you've built your own brand very successfully uh you know the manufacturer's recruiter um so coming kind of back to that personal branding element you know what what would we advise to probably you know both the younger and the older because you know you're very right there are people older people out of work who probably don't have the digital skill set 
you know, so how do we how do we help them or what, what would be our top tips to kind of get them being able to build a brand and represent themselves successfully to someone like yourself? You know, how how do they reach you? Because it's not always about you trying to reach them, but how do they market themselves to someone like you to say, look, hey, I'm here, I've got all this talent, help me? Yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, clearly there's, there's different levels of, uh, of talent that's required for manufacturing uh, from shop floor to board. I, I typically um, hire managerial uh, level employees and, and, and director level uh, people. So, but again, you know, even with those experienced um, individuals, you know, they, some of them may have been in a business for a while and they're not so um, up to speed with, you know, the interview process and, you know, I haven't, I haven't even get a job for 10 years. Crikey, I'm a bit rusty. So I do get that sometimes. <laughs> but I think people in general in manufacturing, if, if you've got the, um, the people that have been there and done it, whether they're at shop floor level or they're an engineer or, a, you know, maybe a production manager or whatever it is, um, I think it's about not just trying to showcase their skills and where they've been and what they've done. It's about telling a story um, and where they could add value, for example, to the younger generation, to the apprentices. So you could have somebody who's, you know, um, you know, in their 50s, for example, um, who's been in their own factories most of their career. They've got lots of experience, um, been through a number of company changes, takeovers. They've, you know, moved sites they've installed new machinery, whatever it might be. There's a whole treasure trove there of, of experience. Um, you, you could get them sort of, you know, writing some sort of paragraph or, or introduction um, of how they could make a huge difference for a newbie coming into manufacturing. Yeah. Um, but, but don't sort of use the generic our world, you know, if you if you do an apprenticeship as a mechanical engineer, then you, you could become a tool maker or you might want to go into maintenance. We need to hear about the exciting stories. We need to hear about how they did a, they were involved in a, a two million pound project mm. to um, take, you know, a whole bank of CNC machines out of an old factory. Then they had to get those, them specially transported five miles up the road to a, a, a brand new building. But when they got there, none of, none of the none of the power was working, so they had to do this. They had to, you know, we we want to hear some interesting stories and um, some of the wins uh, that mm, the that the experienced hires have had. Yeah, and and how it made them feel mm. and and the benefits of of that hard graph that they put in over the decade. Um, how that how they can you know distill all of that experience and, and feelings of their career. Um, into a into a five minute sentence or a, or a paragraph and say, look, you know, if you're just entering into manufacturing, don't just think of the the typical pathway. There's a whole a whole load of exciting experiences that you could have. Here's a few examples. I can remember the time when I, yeah, blah blah blah. Um, there's, there's loads of things you could do as a, as an individual. You know, you, you could you could brand yourself as the. Um, uh, you know, for example, people working in automotive, you know, there's always that um, that threat that if you're a, a, a tier one or a tier two, if you're a supplier into one of the big car factories, if you can't produce your components and get them there on time and they're the right ones, and you stop that production line, your business is going to get fined 
thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds. So you could, you know, if you were working in that scenario and you were in a factory and your machines broke down and you couldn't supply JLO or whoever it was, but you were the hero of that that shift that you got your machines up and running again and you saved your business a hundred thousand pounds yeah. in line stoppages at Jaguar Land Rover because you managed, however you got it done, you managed to get your own machines up and running, and then you had to, you know, call in some emergency transport to get the parts there so they weren't late. It's that sort of on a knife edge, yeah. exciting type of story, uh, and and it's impactful, you know. Well, it's stuff that you remember, isn't it? You know, uh, you know, personal brands are big. You know, Tom's. Scoobler, that's the UK machinist, and you know they're putting out content. That people are starting to it's starting to click, you know. So you, if you can showcase your skill set, you you know you're going to make yourself very attractive. So um, you know, just before we kind of get to the end of this episode, what I uh, wanted to just pick your brains about was the support UK manufacturing movement. I know you've been a massive part of that with Andrea that, that you know we had the pleasure of speaking to a few episodes ago. Um, so just tell me briefly, you know, what's your involvement into that? Why why do you think it's important, and why are you supporting it? Yeah, thank you. It's uh, I mean, it's I think it's a great campaign um, because you know, as as Andrea quite rightly says in, in her interviews, you know, SMEs make up ninety nine percent of our economy, so. You know, they are the backbone of, of, of Britain and they, you know, SMEs are so, so important to the economy, you know, and they, SME businesses don't generally have the, the big budgets and they don't get the news coverage that the, that the big organisations have. Uh, they typically have to fight tooth and nail for everything they get, um, but they work just as hard as, as the big companies, you know, so um, I, I think it's only right that, you know, we support SMEs because at the end of the day, a lot of the people that might go on to work at the larger companies might have started off in an SME anyway. So SMEs do their own part in that journey of filling the pipeline of the large companies. Um, SMEs create the bulk of the jobs sure. in, in the country. So, you know, if they're providing most of the jobs, then the SME sector needs, needs support. Sure. You know, I... I wasn't involved with the campaign from the beginning, but manufacturing and engineering is my my playground. That's where I do my my recruitment. So it makes sense for me to support the sector uh, and get behind Andrea and, and the campaign. Um, so anything that I can do, you know, predominantly through my my LinkedIn uh, messaging and through the conversations that I have with, with leadership on a on a daily basis, um, you know, I'm, I'm a very keen supporter of. Uh, of, of support UK manufacturing. Um, I spoke to Andrew about the petition a, a, a number of weeks ago. It's something that she'd sort of thought of before and was hesitant as to whether we'd get the, the right sort of um, uh, support for it. Um, but it, it seemed like a good thing to do. And uh, yeah, I, I think we just need to keep at it, get more people involved and, and keep banging that message. Um, it's really important. So uh, yeah, it's been, it's been fun, but there's, there's a lot of work to do. And I know you've been involved in in a, in a new website as well. Which yeah, is exciting. We're doing, can't wait to see that. Hopefully, play our play a small part ourselves. Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you this morning. Um, so you know, for those people that are listening, they want to reach out, get in touch with you. Like, how do they how do they find you? Where do you hang out? Uh, well, I'm I'm uh, I'm usually found hanging out on LinkedIn if I'm not on the phone <laughs> or in a meeting. So. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, or on the authentica resourcing.co.uk website. Um, 
or, or you know, via my uh, my mobile, all of my contact details are on my LinkedIn profile. But I've also got a, a separate website, uh, themanufacturersrecruiter.co.uk, which is really a, a vehicle for my podcast, Insights for Manufacturing. And that's going to also uh, evolve over the next uh, few weeks and couple of months with a lot more uh, free advice, resources, signposting for services for manufacturing. So that's not really a recruitment website. Um, it's more about support for manufacturing. Um, so yeah, any, any of those areas really. Perfect. Well, yeah, for those that you haven't uh, connected with Jeff, highly recommend it. Puts out some great content and, uh, you know, is a massive supporter of the sector. So, as I said, I've been really insightful talking to you this morning and uh, I look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Brilliant. Thanks very much for having me on, Rob. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode. To discover more about the Support UK movement, then head over to our website, finally.agency, or find us on LinkedIn, hashtag finallyengineroom, or connect with me directly.